money, I would only spend it on things that were fun, you know? Not boring things like taxes. I'm just one for everyone to party forever. And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One, co-host also Mike on the line, as well as our buddy Swell joining us to talk about Babylon, Michael. A nice, whole, wholesome, friendly, friendly movie. <laughs> Take the kids, right? Here we are again, guys. Here we are again. Just these belligerent defenders of foul-mouthed, potty of humor. Obscene. Obscene. <laughs> Everything that would have gotten you arrested in the 1950s uh styled entertainment lenny bruce eat your heart out like mm-hmm. what do we, like here we are against the tidal wave of like you said at the beginning of the episode pearl clutchers michael mm-hmm. who just can't <laughs> who can't get over that this movie is so dirty uh anyway but welcome amanda of swell entertainment and welcome back to, to mmo and we're glad to have you and i'm glad you're riding in on a black horse ready for this one as well <laughs> thank you for having me and i don't have a problem with the movie being dirty the fact that we see an elephant shitting in the first <laughs> two minutes of screen time um i saw this with my dad and little brother on christmas and uh, that was my brother was like, oh, okay, it's this movie. Like, he was not, he was going to, he was like, I'm going to walk out and go see Avatar again. And I was like, great, you know, whatever, which I, <laughs> I resolutely refused to see. And uh, my dad was like, what the fuck? And my dad is, does not care about dirty movies. By the way, I will be swearing like a sailor in this movie to kind of this video, this episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Something. This piece of content. Home. But I did learn, uh, because I saw behind the scenes as they were testing the special effect, apparently the elephant shit was matzo ball soup that they were forcing out of a prosthetic elephant ass. So if, in case you were wondering, that's the answer. I like that Chazelle has enough juice in Hollywood now. He's like, yeah, I'm going to need a giant real prosthetic elephant anus because i got to get a close-up of that bad boy for my next movie. And let's make it matzo ball soup. Yeah, <laughs> yeah please. Split pea? No. It's got to be matzo ball. Yeah. Uh... Well, it's funny that Amanda did see this, like, unironically with her family. I don't know that a lot of people out there have because, yeah, Mike, you made the point. There's been a lot of, I don't know, animosity towards this movie, a lot of downgrading. The cinema score isn't great. The reception isn't great. The box office is basically non-existent. You want to run through some of that? Oh, it's getting killed right now. $5.8 million in, in, in the first five days on an $80 million budget, allegedly. Uh, we've heard tell that it might be an even larger budget, something like 110. I would buy that. I would buy that. Yeah. Where it's got to make like 250 to break even, according to Deadline.com. It, it was initially, and at least in the, in the first wave of awards nominations, initially received very well with five Golden Globe noms, nine Critics' Choice noms. It made all three Oscar shortlists, essentially, that it was vying for. And it looked like it was going to do better with the academies and through awards season than we initially thought, because we kind of watched trailers for this movie and were like, oh, my God, that's I mean, they're doing coke to the Paramount logo. Right with the stars. Well, I mean, it's on like the trailer. At least this movie was sex forward and like you know, opulent. I don't know, overabundance forward. And it's like, was it though can... with sex forward? Like, let's be real, because the only character that's actively really having sex aside from Jack, who's a woman, is like routinely shamed for. I know that's historically accurate, but still. Oh, I mean, I don't mean sex positive. I okay. just meant like it. There's, there's, 
they were not hiding the fact that there was going to be an obscene amount of obscenities within this movie, within the market. The, but the, the marketing was a massive mistake, in my opinion. I think that's why a lot of people are very upset. Because even, well, I'm sure you guys have a segment about this, but uh, did you guys see the TikTok uh, so <laughs> you you hit me off to this, and, and and Mike Amanda was telling me that there are like cringe TikToks that are like embedded advertisements for this movie. Mm. I want to talk about a little bit of the marketing towards Gen Z in general because I would think this would be a movie that your generation, Amanda, would like eat up. I tried looking up some of those TikToks, I couldn't find any because Can they're you, like, through. They're so basically what they did, and I have a whole video planned out at some point of how movies are being like movie studios are struggling to advertise to Gen Z. They especially, have no idea how to reach you guys. They have no idea. And that's okay. I get it. Our tastes change with the wind. You know, like a movie that I think is a very good example of this is the movie The Invitation. I personally was not a big fan of it, but I don't like Wasted Potential. But Book Talk on TikTok decided this is our movie and just <laughs> did all this, ed- this advertising on the back end. So it ended up having, I think, a, a bigger third week or something than it did like the opening week. But it also opened during the worst week of the summer for movies, mm-hmm. for theaters. And um, it was just a movie that everyone was like, oh, see, you know, they kind of advertised it as this one way and no one knew that it was a vampire movie. And they were like, if we had known it was a vampire movie where it's like uh, an enemies to lovers or like, mm. oh, he's got secret intentions, all this stuff like TikTok obsessed over it, you know, and now it's mm. on, I think it's on Netflix and it's num- yeah. one of 10 now because of that, you know, because they're like, oh, my God, yeah, I get to finally watch it. But they, they they keep trying to do like using the TikTok like voice to text like what to do when uh, when here are all his red flags and like could not advertise the movie the invitation to an audience and same goes here they were like okay well let's get a bunch of TikTokers and we'll do highly produced over edited uh, promos in the style of Babylon. And they invited a bunch of TikTokers to the premieres, which isn't new, but they like really emphasize the fact that these TikTokers were at the premieres. But even then it's like, they kind of just only really advertised the opening scene of the movie. And so all these advertisements are like Bryce Hall, a bunch of other TikTokers whose names I don't know, but I've seen their faces because I've made fun of them before. (laughs) And, um, you know, they just kind of all talk about like, it's like them pulling up in limos. It's like modern Hollywood like but they're advertising Babylon and it's like they're trying to advertise like pulling up to a party you've got the hot uh security guard you've got the hot doorman like all this stuff and then it's like you got the movie stars the starlets pulling up doing some weird little dance and then the moment the guy tries to turn no don't even think about it like it's like what are you what are we doing like what who wrote this because I need to know because it's not a good idea and it's just uncomfortable and I'm like what is going on like you could be telling me this is an advertisement for a movie they are making and I would believe you because it does aside from the go see Babylon at the Aside from that, like I would not be able to know that this was an advertisement for Babylon. So hold on. Can I get this straight though? Because so what kid what what all you kids out there are doing is <laughs> you're basically role playing the roaring twenties on TikTok to a- advertise. That's no 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 no. That's even it. These were definitely paid for by Paramount. Like they definitely paid for it. They were like, hey guys, we're gonna do a shoot. And you all have to come on this day. And it was like probably a big, all these TikTokers were probably telling all of their friends about it. Like, guys, I'm in a Paramount uh, advertisement. I'm very excited. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if this was an official, 
uh, you know, it's funny because Disney Channel has done this before too. You know, <laughs> this is like a Disney Channel marketing tactic or Nickelodeon. What what uh, what show did the zombie movies? The the kid that where like it's zombies and cheerleaders and ghosts and shit like that. I don't remember one of those. I think it's Disney, but they did okay. a bunch of uh, music videos and commercials with like. Uh, not Maddie Ziegler, the sister and all this stuff, like did a bunch of like music videos for songs in the movies, but they would get stars to do the songs and like do like a whole little skit with it and then put it on Disney Channel. And that was a way for them to advertise. And it's like, okay, maybe this will work. <laughs> okay, but so like it's a shame because I would think that this movie would appeal to more to your generation and to like hardcore cinephiles. I would think that's kind of the base for this movie. But see, so they what, only were advertising they the opening you? scene. I, I think that if they had shown more outside of the bit parts and the jokes and all of that like give us a give people love one minute previews people love that don't edit it don't add a crazy sound effect just show us one minute of the movie it could be any point people love that then they're like oh my god wait i want to know what happens next what happens after this wait where's the movie oh the movie's not out yet okay cool just do one minute of like, here's a sneak peek at the movie. And I know you can't always do that, but you're going to have to start because it's just the easiest way to get people excited because then they can see it a sense. And it could break your movie. That could be what kills your movie. But that's where you have to decide. You have to have a marketing team that picks what scene your guys are going to release. And you need, you'll find out if your movie's worth their time or not right away. It's a shame because I think you could have found that minute or a couple of those minutes in this, in this thing because there might be... The car the scene with with the, uh, with uh, Nelly and Manny. That car scene that would have been 40, fine. There might be forty five minutes of this movie. That's some of the best forty five minutes of the whole entire year. I, for my money, everything on the set mm-hmm. with the big big battle scene behind it. Uh, you're right. I mean, there's a couple of great scenes later. Mike, Mike, you love the uh, the the first silent. <laughs> PJ Byrne should be nominated for an Oscar for the way he did handle the, uh, the, well, I guess this is college scene and he just flips out the guy with the glasses. Oh my God. No, I love that. See, that's the thing about my whole opinion of this movie is there's so many bits where I'm like, I love this sequence, but then Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Maybe it's because I really don't like Brad Pitt anymore, but like Mm. all of his bits, it's like no one told him what pacing was anymore and he forgot. And just the way like okay, can I can I say a spoiler or not? Because <laughs> I run a well, out of uh, uh, hold on, but like sorry, we'll put a pin in that because uh, we do honor some format here. But no, this is a good. This is going in the right direction. So yeah, they definitely bit off a bit more. They they can chew in terms of the four main characters, and that's frustrating because some characters probably should have been honored more than others. Ultimately, oh wait wait like, wait wait, who would you consider the four main characters now? Well, Who's I mean, Manny, Manny Torres, obviously, Nelly uh, with uh, Margot Robbie, Brad Roy. Pitt's number three, and I would say Sidney Palmer's number four. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would probably have put Palmer, Faye, and Margot Robbie more forward in this movie. And if you're going to have the Brad Pitt storyline, I mean, number one, it's, it's. I mean, he did, he does a, a, as good of a job as he can with it. It's just. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a yeah. fan of his either. I think they, and aban- so I think much- they abandoned Faye, and I think she was a way more interesting character with what we had given. And we didn't see. I think with what ends up. I'm, this isn't a spoiler, but like with what ends up happening, I don't think we got enough reaction out of Nellie for that severing relationship. You know. Anyway, we're not going to spoil it right at this moment, <laughs> but the, just reminding me and and everybody because I'm reminding myself too. But Brad Pitt's finale 
disrupts the sequence, like mid momentum mm. of the Manny Margot sequence of the mm. Calva Robbie sequence. And like that happens in the third act and it drove me nuts. I'm like looking at the structure and that was frustrating. So mm. I guess at the end of the day, I, I think there's like the best hour of the year in this movie, which was why I was so hyped up after my first watch, Michael. And I was I was just like on Twitter with the Maximus yelling at the crowd. Are you not entertained? Go see this movie. I'm, jerks. I'm, I'm ready to delete our Twitter account. <laughs> the way this, this movie has been received versus the way Avatar has been received, I'm I'm done. Like I can't I can't do it anymore. But I did go back. I did go back with my brother and I watched it again. And then I I'm noticing a lot of more of the flaws uh, on rewatch. It's I not a to, perfect movie. It's like I told you, it's not a perfect movie by any means. And like I think if you chopped off. 45 minutes to an hour in certain places we'll talk about in spoilers mm. then i think you have like a best picture contender here i can understand why people dislike it i can understand why it's not going to do you know win 10 oscars i, I get yeah. all that but to hold my attention for three hours uh, to hold my attention for two hours anymore is right. no small feat uh, this yeah. movie like i was actually watching it i was actually invested i cared about these people so like that's a big my dad deal fell to me. asleep during it, which I'm uh, shocked by. I'm shocked by that. How, in what to be fair, you know, we had a like, very rough weekend. So that's true. That's true. Oh. But your dad was like, "Been there, done that. I can move well, on." Well, see, right? that's, I mean, my, that's my opinion. <laughs> kidding, I'm kidding. Like, I don't no, know no, no, your biography of Amanda's father's life. I don't know no, your father. No, no, no. So my dad is or was a screenwriter. He has he's worked in Hollywood before. If anyone's mm-hmm. worrying, it gets me nothing nepotism-wise. Don't worry. Trust me, I would have already <laughs> exploited that opportunity if I was an Epo baby. I, it would be so easy for me to rule Gen Z if I was an Epo baby. Anyways, um, then, but with uh, this movie, you know, it's kind of like th- the argument that I've seen in favor of Avatar before its release is what's been driving me crazy because I have zero desire to see this movie. I don't even think I've seen the first one all the way through. And I don't particularly care, you know? And the the delay and all of that. But everyone, when I said, you know, I don't care. You can yell at me all you want. I'm not going to go see this movie. People were like, you know, everyone gets so mad and demands original stories. And then someone finally makes an original story and you guys won't go and support it. And it's like, right. one, because it's James fucking Cameron. Who yeah, and those, are you those joking? people were talking about the writers of Fern Gully from 1992. Is that what they were talking about? Because that's mm. what Avatar is. Yeah, well, it's that. And then it's like, you know, this is a sequel. That's what it is. You know, like, let's not pretend it's a whole new movie. It's not a whole new series. It's a sequel movie. And then you have the whole Hollywood story. Like, forget I we've talked about this before. My generation really doesn't put a lot of stock in movie stars. People will really have like one or two actors that they really like that they will support, but it's impossible to decide who they will pick as their favorite, you know, and it's impossible to decide this person has the great star power that we need to push this movie over. So they should focus on acting chops in my opinion at that point, because that's what the generation wants more than anything is they want good movies and good actors, a painful actor. Like you put anyone on screen with flipping, uh, Florence Pugh, and they're not going to look better than her. It's just impossible. So learn that, you know, move forward. Stop <laughs> casting Harry Styles and shit. I'm sorry. I don't care. Okay. And, you know, then you have um, this movie as well. That's, I'm sorry. It's a Hollywood story. People are, for lack of a better word, sick of it. You know, it's like what, what Hollywood, like there's, there's so many elements of this that I really like, but what they advertised was that this is the Hollywood party scene. We have seen that before. My generation has seen the great Gatsby. We had to read it in school, you know? So it's like to them, that's not enough. You know, if they had advertised. 
Go for it. Oh, I don't mean to cut you off, but along those lines with your generation, how they accept things, and you already kind of alluded to this anyway, and now you're talking about how you want good acting and not just, you know, the the appeal of movie stars, fame, and fandom. Mm-hmm. How do you all accept Brad Pitt right now? I know you said you're not a fan. Mike and I have been bewildered that, like, that controversy that he's involved with, with, with Angelina Jolie and the because of and the, the Because of the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. And that's my... The, I, I personally did not engage with that trial at all because the whole thing made me uncomfortable. The testimonies that I was hearing was making me uncomfortable on both sides. But, you know, I can see, you know... Regardless of whether or not she lied or not, I am not a fan of Johnny Depp, and I do not support Johnny Depp, and that is my opinion. Um, and mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. same goes with Brad Pitt. But now that trial emboldened the public, the court of public opinion. Anyone who makes an allegation, whether there's a court filing, a affidavit, a sealed document, whatever, proving that something did happen, they are able to now emboldenly say that these people are lying. And so, it doesn't matter who Angelina Jolie is. It doesn't matter what happened even this is Brad Pitt and they want to be on the side of them because then it kind of emboldens all men who have been accused of doing something or have done something, you know, to be able to say, well, she's lying like Amber Heard. And I've seen that also with, um, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on her name. Um, but she's, uh, Marilyn Manson's ex ex-wife i'm god, I feel bad. I'm blanking oh, on her yeah, yeah, yeah. Evan Rachel uh, Wood. Uh, she's also, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Evan Rachel Wood, she's also Mm -hmm. getting, being, uh, you know, getting the same treatment and, you know, all this stuff. And obviously he's friends with Johnny Depp. So, yeah, it's, I truly blame the trial for all of that. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. You know, even when the thing about the, I'll never forget when his supporters crowdfunded to have a document unsealed or something. And it was just evidence from Johnny Depp that basically proved that he had fabricated a bunch of evidence and it was all it was stuff that the judge sealed because they were like, this will make you look bad, basically. And his fans got it unsealed and it proved before and after photos of where he had photoshopped photos and all this stuff and texts he had sent her saying he was going to kill her and all this other stuff. Like it's, the whole thing is horrific, but I truly think that that's why. But also, I mean, I think people some unfortunately don't care, you know? And she's well, not- that's that's the thing is Mike and I are like bewildered that it seems like Everyone's giving Brad Pitt a pass, and we we don't. I mean, I'm I'm kind of heartened to hear that it seems like amongst your generation, you guys are holding him accountable for something, because on the you know the movie circuit level, I don't know that there's much accountability. Yeah, no. And my my generation liked uh, Bullet Train because uh, one, Aaron Taylor Johnson was walking sex on legs that entire movie, <laughs> and two, um, they just kept taking shots of Brad Pitt the entire time and saying he looked homeless and all this shit, which was very fun for me. It's such a weird situation with him right now because he's di- number one, he's like booted out of his own production company, Plan B, right? And so he's mm-hmm. divesting from that. Is that a financial move? Ah, who the hell right. knows? But it, it seems like he's getting pushed out of there. And then again, he gets a Golden Globe nomination, of course. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Of course, the Globes pick him. And this movie, I mean, look, I, I think his performance in this movie is on the level of what he's done in the past. It's, it's, yeah, it's pretty fine. It's pretty damn good, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, now, I, do, do I, think, I want him? I think, I think they told him he could take his time. Because they have a three-hour runtime. That's what I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't want him nominated. Let's be honest. I don't want <laughs> yeah. him nominated. Right. Period. Uh, I, I think 
let's just stay away from it, regardless of how uh, if he's good enough or not. I mean, Diego Calva to me is 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 better, but he's it's an uneven mm-hmm. performance. So I I would love for them to put him forward more. I think there's a yeah, wide open spot. To be spot. fair, to be fair, I don't think they really. I think they had an idea for Manny and didn't know how to execute it. And, which is a problem because he's the he ultimately gets the movie. It's mm-hmm. it's it's ultimately a movie about the one guy who's watching all the stars, like you said, and, and the stars are affecting him. And then he's the, the whole one with movie, the arc. They, yeah, but I, I, again, I have so many issues with this whole movie and like how they ended up like, because the way that Jack, his whole narrative goes, Nellie should have been given that same sort of narrative style. Instead, she's kind of relegated, like I told you guys before we started recording, to a almost a secondary off-screen role essentially with what we see is only the aftermath we don't see her struggles and the issues and her reactions to things aside from when manny's in the room or jack is there or it can be exploited for something through um the god i loved the gossip person i forget her i'm blanking on her name i'm awful gene smart yeah yes margot robbie could have yeah, Margot Robbie's character could have had the most dimensions, and she's None fairly one But did you not both find that she was the best performance of this movie regardless? Margot? You can read into her performance. Margot Robbie. Uh, oh. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think she's very good. I mean, yes, good. I agree. She's very good. But, you know, it's like, and see, the, the whole thing, I hate the reception to this movie as well, because they just keep saying Margot Robbie movie flops, when even when you watch the movie, it's like she is, again, like almost like a, a punchline in a sense for the other characters. Or she's like the plot device for the other characters to push forward their stories or whatever. Aside from Jack. Her and Jack are like just passing ships in the night for each other's characters, even though they're in the same movie. The only thing that really connects them is, is Manny. And so the fact that Nellie is not given, again, a more like control in her own narrative. That sounds like a weird way of putting it, but like we should be able to see everything through her, not, Oh, Hey, the executives think she has a gambling problem. And it's like, cool. What time do we see her gambling other than the end of the first scene when she's told she has to be on set. And then when she brings the USC soccer team, which apparently is based on a real rumor from uh, a Hollywood uh, starlet that she's based on, one of the few. All the characters here are composite characters for the most part. I found a great article that broke down all the inspiration for them, which was great right. and explained everything. But, you know, it's like we there's just so much that's like we're told about almost after the fact. And it's like, that's what I hated about the movie Old. Like everything happened off camera. <laughs> That's what you hated about old? (laughs) (laughs) Of many things. No, see, I have a love-hate relationship with old because that puts so much money in my pocket, me reviewing that movie and taking... I took my dad and his girlfriend to go see that and my dad hadn't told his girlfriend that I said it was the worst movie ever made. And so she thought I brought them to it because I thought it was just a great movie. And she What is this sick obsession you have with exposing people in your life to these terrible movies? You, you, like, you've killed... Like, you've brought friends to cats purposefully knowing that it would be torture for them what are you doing it's called it's how i show love mike and i think you need to accept that are you mad i have not taken you to a bad movie is that what you're saying good god i'm scared i'm scared for the people near and dear to you Mike, I'll take you to Megan. Yeah. It's like it's like what it's like when a cat gives you a dead mouse. Like, look, I'm sharing. <laughs> uh, to, to kind of bring this back to performances, though, I right now we're seeing some uneven nominations. Like we're we got Robbie at, at 
in both globes and choice. Pitts just globes, Calva's just globes, and with how this movie's flopping, guys, I'm worried that it's going to keep this awards momentum. It, it looks like it's going to fall off the map. Uh, oh no, Robbie's so sad. Robbie's do- ah. <laughs> look at. I mean, Robbie's doing the performance within the performance thing. So I mean, she's got she's got a lot of nuance to this, you know, tornado of a of a of a you know. I don't want to call it a tour de force. I'm again. This is not my strength. The 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 uh, lush all the all the adjectives for the performances. But being she, nice to people is not your is not your performance. <laughs> having positive adjectives. <laughs> being complimentary and then yes, pe- uh, pontificating about how, uh, all those kinds. You've really made my life not better my or whatever. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> so like we could we could wind up guys we could wind up with like brad pitt being the only nomination out of this ensemble which would be criminal Oof. or we could wind up with nobody getting nominated. why do you say am i I'm, I'm bewildered right now like how robbie doesn't have that mantle from i thought she would be like universe and what i've seen mostly i thought on- so too and then I see her on the outside of everybody's fives, especially with and, and yeah. But like, everybody also likes aggravated. Avatar, Mike. We can't go by them. We have to make our <laughs> own academy now. No, but see, even then, okay, okay, okay. When the movie was premiering at God, the early screeners for press and all of that when it premiered, yeah. um, everything I saw said either the movie was a mess, the movie was insane, and that's a good thing. Yep. But they all mentioned Margot Robbie shines. You know, so it's so weird to me that now everyone's talking about everyone else because that was the the only consistent name. No, Mm. I know. But everyone Mm. was talking about her performance. And so I think that that's again, it's like she is the plot device that is used throughout the movie to just show momentum. Like, here is the passing of time. And I think my dad also hated this movie because he just hated her hair the entire time. He was like, this is not the 20s. I pointed (laughs) it out in the trailer. I pointed it out in the trailer. And he's been mad ever since. And I, I love that I keep ruining movies for him just by pointing out how actresses are wearing wigs or how their hair is done. I love that that is my role in my father's life. Um, that and then when we went and saw 1917 how I was able to because he was like how are they doing this? <laughs> like, it was like no cuts. And it I was, was like just do you want one me to shot. T- yeah. Yeah. No I just kept I was like do you want me to tap you where they could hide a shot? He was like oh wait yeah would you do that? And so I was just like tapping him throughout the movie <laughs> of where they could hide a shot between like wall cuts and all this stuff. And he was like wow that was so cool. <laughs> So I guess let's just end here then in terms of performances. <laughs> you guys would you guys would nominate Robbie and and Calva or no? Yeah, I would I would nominate Calva because, you know, there was a lot that we saw from him. I'm not going to blame him for the inconsistencies in his character because again, I don't think I think there's only so much you can do with the script and all of that, but with him as well, you know, I thought we got to see a good starting point with him. And then how the movie kind of progressed. I think he also was able to show really well how his English progressed as a character just throughout being on the set and all of that. And I do think that's difficult to do on top of, you know, acting as well and showing character development and all of that. Be able able to show that how his dialect changed over years and all of that. I think that was very impressive. Calva was very, very good. But the idea that I think you hit on it, Mike, the idea that Robbie is getting, quote unquote, blamed for this movie's failure. I I think that's a lazy narrative for one. I don't disagree that it's happening. But for two, every adult drama is getting like they're all getting killed at the box offices. Mm. So I don't know, like if you're going to default to, well, Robbie can't be this is Robbie's movie and it flopped at the box office. Well, where's the the fault for the flops of the other movies that are adult dramas that are going to be nominated anyway across the board? 
It's like picking and choosing to me. I don't understand why it's happening to this one. Because the expectations were so high, I guess? Yeah, I think so. That and the marketing campaign, you know. And it's, it's interesting because I saw some people who were like, I've never heard of this movie. I don't, I'm not surprised it flopped. Why I've heard that too it? in my personal. I, I told a friend of mine I was seeing the, the new Margot Robbie Brad Pitt movie. And they were like, oh, I've never heard of it. I've never heard of it. I think they were trying about? to, I think they were trying to focus on the Gen Z marketing. And again, I think TikTok is an incredible marketing tool. But the best thing you can do for marketing a movie is not take out ads and all of that. It's reach out to all the top movie premiere people who talk about movies and give them early screeners or invite them to premiere. That's the best way to get it because people put trust in individuals. They don't put trust in advertisements. They don't put trust in, I I think even sponsorships in general. I I would not be surprised if next year's sponsorships, like we go back to like the 2016 style from influencers where it's seen as selling out to do a brand deal, especially with after everything that's happened with uh, YouTubers that have gone flack with FTX US, FTX, uh, Binance, established titles, all these other companies. Like, I would not be surprised if we go backwards and it's like, no, you're selling out. You you don't have faith in your audience, all this stuff for doing brand deals. And same goes with advertisements. People put more trust in individuals. And so I think that if they just like, hey, hey we're going to find the top or like even a handful of midsize uh, movie review TikTokers and movie review channels and give them early screeners and not do an embargo and give them full, hey, don't ruin the ending, talk about whatever you want. That will get people to go to these movies. I truly think that. It's a shame because it felt like they had somewhat of a built-in audience as well with our generation, Mike, of people who grew up during the you know, it's not TV, it's HBO years, mm. where this movie feels like in many instances... Like, there's some shock value for shock value's sake, but it feels like an HBO show. It feels like, <laughs> what what was that show that got canceled with, uh, oh, God. Here we go. Um, here we go. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll remember yourself. it. Age point. yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, there, this movie had a built-in audience to an extent, which I don't understand why everybody's saying, who's the audience for this? Well, because they didn't advertise it to the audience. That's the, the problem. Film buffs and the film bros should love this freaking movie. Everybody who went to the Wolf of Wall Street should love this freaking movie. Like it makes no sense to me Fun why fact, the Wolf my of dad Wall Street. Also, my dad also took me to see the Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is basically the Wolf of Wall Street in old Hollywood, and it's and it's got similar arcs. For Christ's sake! So it doesn't Honestly, make Leo sense would to have me. Been, I, okay, someone's gonna get mad at me. I think Leo would have been better casting than Brad Pitt. Sure, I mean, don't you disagree. Could say that about Leo with any role. I think. Yeah, I mean, he's the guy. <laughs> and yeah. I guess to to finish up non spoilers here, like these production values are next level. Uh, the the music, mm-hmm. even though they reprise some of the La La Land songs, the sound design, the cinematography. That's what they were Mike, doing. Were I nuts. knew it. God damn it! <laughs> well, it's the I same. Was like, There's Justin no Hurwitz. way the they would composer. do that. I know, but I was like, there's no way they're reusing that song. And then sure enough, that's what they were fucking doing. God damn it. I mean, I'm not against it because I love that score. I mean, it's a little obvious at times, but uh, it's fun. But I, I think that just reiterates that, like, what are we seeing that's new? You know, that I think that's like, yeah, even the music is the same, you know, melodies and all of that. And I can get why people are, again, not motivated to go and see this because of things like that. Look, if Avatar can just take my heart, will go on and rip it away. Like the, <laughs> da, da, da. Did and then I they, say they that add the last okay two notes either? are different. No. <laughs> I, I'm just saying everybody's doing it. 
I like I, I'm a huge fan of this Justin Hurwitz score. Yeah, I can same. listen to this music all day. Obviously, they're going crazy with the Duke Ellington trumpeting there. Oh, my God, it's fantastic. They're building these scenes around the music, uh, which, which, again, to an academy, if you're featuring the production value, typically that gets rewarded, Michael, no? I I think everything you said I can underscore. I mean, yeah, the production value, the, the production design. First of all, I mean, you have to nominate it, don't you? Just because of all these Density grand set too. pieces, yeah. And I would absolutely nominate the the sound, the score, not the soundtrack. Uh, yeah, I agree with everything you said. I think this whole thing is next level. I can understand the nitpicking about the script and the writing, like we have been all along. I don't understand. Wow, it's almost I, I like that's like the main reason people go to see movies. Yes. Yeah, you're not yes. wrong. You're not wrong. True. True. And and the, the script flaws are pretty glaring on rewatch. I had, guys, I'll be honest with you about my grades for this one, even though uh, I had this as like an A minus grade. And then I dropped it all the way down to like a, a B plus on rewatch because of, of the drastic uh, way I, I turned against some of the script, which is a mm. bummer. Because as much as I love the first watch, the second watch was, but it was, of it the, was awkward. Of the 71 hour movies we've had to sit through this year, <laughs> like oh a God. B plus is a good great for it's one a of good those times movies. yeah it's absolutely a good time so mike we probably should do our oscar pundit thing here for a second can i run down the sure. uh, oscar lens uh so still very likely i do think the music the original score based on the fact that it's winning critical association even though it's, it's not nominated. that original as you and amanda just pointed out <laughs> that's right uh it's still very likely that justin Hurwitz, an original score gets nominated i think you hit it on the head production design still very very likely that gets nominated. It's in all the pundits' fives. I'm guessing Margot Robbie and costume still get in. Costume versus hair and makeup, even though Amanda hated the hair. Hair and makeup. Did a get lot of people were complaining about the hair. Yeah. It did get shortlisted. Cinematography is it's got a lot. It's got a lot of fans, and I think uh, because of the camera movement, because of the fact that they're replicating all the old school. The one or through the crowd through that party. I mean, the one take. At least I think it was a one take. It may have been like like in nineteen seventeen where they had multiple cuts. I don't know, but it seemed like a one take to me. Through the party, I don't know how the camera wasn't bumped or vibrating. Like that alone should get cinematography nominated. That was crazy, and there were several wonders through this movie that I was like, "Wow, that's nuts." On this episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar, Mike learns what a steady cam is. And... <laughs> Look, it's no Bardo in terms of wonders, but it, there's some good wonders. No, I, I think uh, I think you're right on. I like I like I enjoyed the cinematography too. I mean, even the way they go through Dante's Inferno, Dante's Inferno at yeah. the end. Yeah, and, it was and another, yeah. bounce you around. That's fine. Even though that was easier, I mean, if there were there were cuts to be had, you know, playing with shadows like that, it's easier to clip those together in editing. So. But I don't know how where the cuts would have been in the uh, the party scene at the beginning. Yeah, right. It's basically the opposite of Ray Liotta bringing Deborah Winger into the yes. Uh, yes. Copacabana. Yeah. Which again, this movie a lot of callbacks to Goodfellas type of movie experience. All right. So, do we think Brad Pitt gets nominated at the end of the day? Do you think he gets ignored? We hope. Would there be an outcry amongst you and your uh, your friends, your you young people, you youths? My Amanda, audience if... barely watches the Oscars. You That's know, the thing. most like... most views that audience, <laughs> the most views that got was, you know, oh my god, did you see? Uh, he slapped uh, Chris Rock. You know, like that's it would take something like that. I think at this point, honestly, that's insane to me. I, I just. Because, you, got, you know, you have to be... the fact people are already pissed and they're like boycotting it because everywhere, everything, ev- everything, everywhere, all at once has not been shortlisted for hair and makeup. People are already pissed. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a very, I mean, 
that heartens like people like Mike and I who do this regularly. But that's such a a unique niche thing to get upset about by by a generation that movie studios have no idea how to reach to begin with. The fact that you guys would pick and choose to be upset about that and like use that as a thing to hold against you is it just because it's an establishment thing and you guys just don't have use for them as it is. Well, that and then, you know, we like, you know, it's again, it goes it goes back to the original stories element, you know, like that's everything everywhere all at once really was a really great. I'll, I'll never forget. People were so pissed when um, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness came out and there was an article that was like Battle of the Multiverses, you know, Doctor Strange beats everything everywhere all at once. And they were like, again, it was not in competition with that. And so it's like, I think people just already hate the competition element of it because they want original stories. They don't really want it to win, you know? And I think that mm-hmm. emphasis kind of comes secondary, but they want, they don't need it to win. They just like the, the, the concept of things being nominated, I think is what people care about more. And so it's like, again, if you want to stack the nominations just to appease the generation, that might be the easiest way to get nominated. You'll get outrage over things not winning, but you know, you'll still get at least eyes on it to see how it all goes. You know? Hmm. I don't think anyone knows how to crack you guys. I think you're a, you're a nut that nobody knows how to reach and nobody is quite sure. I think you guys. I, I think you guys. Whether and TikTok is, we're a bunch of assholes, and TikTok has given us manufactured ADHD, so our attention spans are you know short as hell. I'm sure by next year, by this time, God, that's not even that's even too far ahead. Three months from now, um, I truly think that even me saying like, oh yeah, movie review TikTok is not going to be seen as you know. A, a viable way of reaching an audience. Like even then I saw on, on Twitter, someone was getting mad at uh, Jordan, who is a popular uh, uh, TikToker who does stitches and stuff. He was just complaining about how long Avatar was and how much money it needs to make and all this stuff. And uh, then I saw people being like, I hate movie review TikTok. And it's like, I'm sure you do, but that's what Gen Z wants. You know, they want someone to just be, here's the good parts, here's the bad parts. This is why you should watch it. Qu- clear, quick, and mm-hmm. simple. Don't pontificate to me. Don't talk at me. Don't tell me why I should go see this movie. uh, Or don't say you have to see this movie because of X. Here's why you should go see this movie. Here's why I think you should see this movie. You know, that type of thing. And while that's happening, your generation is completely changing the way that the entire movie industry is running. I mean, from from how many streaming sources that you guys go to or don't go to versus how many movies you guys go to and see at the theaters versus don't go see at the theaters. But I think, you know, my generation as well... I think we're going to see uh, a sort of renaissance of archive happening in the next few years because people are very concerned, my generation is, of these streamers, one, canceling shows that everyone loves, which, again, mm-hmm. they still don't know what people want, but then also removing them from platforms. And I do think we're going to see an archive. We may need. We may have to start seeing you wouldn't steal a car. You know, I think we're going to start seeing those again. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't pirate a DVD or whatever. We're going to start seeing those again because I think we're going to see another wave of you know piracy happening because they see no other option because these movies and shows that they love are being taken off these platforms, whether they are popular or not. It's fascinating to discuss like the second and third life of this film because I th- I think one of the one of the through lines to this episode right now is that we we've noticed that this movie was marketed wrongly mm-hmm. because it's like a tweener and it, but it's also a tweener it's it's a film that they tried to market to a younger audience but it really satisfies an older one in many instances and it's also trying to get the younger audience to see this one it didn't work because they're not going to see 
prestige movies like this at all, uh, especially these, the, you know, these odes to old Hollywood and which is which this isn't, of course. So this movie should have satisfied younger viewers, mm-hmm. but they couldn't market it to younger viewers to get them back in. So by trying to market it to younger viewers to get them back in, they actually turned away all the older viewers because, the, because again, of all the naughtiness. They are they think they know better of how to advertise to Gen Z instead of hiring Gen Z to be like, oh yeah, hey, how do you guys want to see movies? You know, all right. Like, so yeah. So this so this is important. So I'm asking you about the second and third shelf lives of this. How if you're Paramount right now, mm-hmm. how would you p- position Babylon to be successful for them on VOD on on Paramount Plus? We've seen a lot of Paramount movies that are on Paramount Plus wind up on Amazon Prime where there's a huge audience. Mm-hmm. They still got a window uh, on Plus and then on Prime. We see how would you market it second and third life? Uh, first off, you got to give uh, high resolution footage to uh, TikTokers and YouTubers to do reviews, but also, you know, let people talk about the negatives of things. That's where so many companies and, and studios shoot themselves in the foot, only talk about the positives. No movie is 100% perfect, regardless of what mm. Rotten Tomatoes tells you. So you need to let a company say, hey, you can say two negatives or whatever. If you want to do that, do that. But let them complain about something. I don't like this part. Or just give them free reign in general. They may not like your movie, but at least even a bad review will get people to go and watch the movie. My review of old, people went and suffered through old to see how, mm. wrong, how if I was wrong or not. Because people like to be proven wrong or right with something, with an opinion. Mm. And so if you let them form an opinion even before going in, because people right now, you're not even giving them the chance to form an opinion because you're just showing them a bunch of footage of a party, thinking that that's going to do it. And it's not enough. Give them, give someone the scene of the struggle of her on stage, the sound stage, and all of that, and how that, that transition Best part of the movie. Best part. Oh, my God. It was great. It's showing that, like, this is the growing pains of change. That is so good. Give them that because we're constantly have that. Have someone be like, oh, yeah, this is kind of like how people are struggling with AI art. By the way, fuck AI art. But, you know, like, it's if you give them (laughs) literally that is applicable to any form of change. Okay. And so you give people that you will have tech bros going to see this movie. Okay. Because they'll be like, oh, oh my God, I can use this to get this and talk about this and all this stuff. So if you just give that whole sequence to someone or put it on YouTube, but then have YouTubers or TikTokers talk about that scene, that'll get people to watch this movie. I like that our I podcast just... is going to be us earning no money, but getting Amanda an executive job <laughs> in the studio. <laughs> oh is. my God, please. But like, I, it's, can, it, I, a... am high, I am available for uh, consultant work hire. It is $700 an hour, um, but I will make sure that your movie makes at least $2 million. <laughs> the greatness <laughs> is least. in this movie, and we just need Amanda to bring it forward. All right, so I, I got halfway through the Oscar lens. Can I Let me just finish yeah, this. No, go ahead. Sorry, so, I totally go. No, no, it's fine. It's, I, it's, I'm, no, but it's... I'm, I mean, I, I, honestly, I part of my entire vision with this is like I need to know why this movie did so poorly as it did, especially amongst Gen Z, because I think this is. Yeah. I, I know you're saying it's it's skewed more towards an older audience, Mike. I don't disagree with you. I think it is, but I also think there's so much in here that would appeal to a younger. Like if I was 20, like uh, man, if I was your brother going to see this movie, I and it, I I was shown what was laying well, within this movie, I would have been hyped. You know, here's d- the question: Do you? It. Yeah. Do you guys think this movie's going to play well at like colleges for the next 20 years? 
Because that's what I was thinking. I was like, if I saw this movie in college, I, I mean, but I'm a nerd, so maybe this is... I, it's, no, it's, because they... Again, no, because they can put on, you know, The Great Gatsby. You know, if, you, if you're trying to get people... Like, okay, I know what you're thinking, but I'm thinking, like, what's going to be on the TV in the house party, you know? And... The Great Gatsby is more of an it's you gotta kind of play your uh strengths and the the they tried to show the grit, they tried to show a lot in this movie, and did it's you guys just love so Elvis? all over the place. <laughs> the, but by I, showing your, the ugliness. Did your generation love Elvis? A lot of people did. I, my problem with it is that they over advertised how Austin, uh, what's his fuck, uh, said <laughs> how he Butler. how that's he his, became, that's his original name before he became Austin Butler. <laughs> how he became <laughs> how he became Elvis to the point that I'm like now I'm just watching Austin Butler be embarrassing on TV, you know, on the movie. <laughs> I got an early screen of that, and I did not like how half of the movie was edited like a "What's up next" on a true crime episode of a show or something. But that's like, exactly I thought, why I asked you that question because you keep referring to Gatsby, and I, I know they're both Boz films, but I'm t- I asked that question yeah. because I'm wondering if like if it's just a difference in generation. Because Mike, when you ask if it's going to play in dorm rooms, I think for our generation, yes, absolutely. It, may, it sounds like Gen Z, like they're more a lot of my to have generation. Did like they did like it a lot of yeah it sounds like they want like just the 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 moving images the flashing lights the cutscene the cutscene the cutscene the cutscene no because then I don't no 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 whoa 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 okay no? pause the brakes because then we have people like the Russo brothers who are my one sided arch nemeses I've decided by the way <laughs> um, who say that the the live action Hercules movie is gonna be filmed like a TikTok uh, for you page scrolling through and that makes oh, me no. want to kill someone like yeah, no, that, that makes sound like me a good idea. it's like and I I tweeted I was like what do they what are they gonna do play thirty like thirty seconds uh, segments of songs and someone's like don't you dare give them fucking ideas because yeah. I do think they would do that it's going to be whiplash and that's not what people want they want good cohesive stories and that should not be hard to achieve because I just think there's there's an element of the hangout movie in this in this I film. agree with you and and the, the hangout part of it like the first two hours you could consider it a hangout movie they're just and, and, it, and number one it's also a comedy for the first two hours and it's severe intense drama for the last hour and i think that was uneven i think they should have just stuck with the you know comedy and make it a satire and see it through that lens and you're right if you're watching margot robbie on tilt for the last hour that's probably funnier or at least but it wasn't <laughs> even that, that we weren't sense. seeing her on tilt we were seeing her through the line the eyes yeah. of manny which again i reiterate if this whole movie was through his lens, he is our he is our guide yeah, through this the the downside debauchery of Hollywood, and we relegate Jack to the same role as Nelly. That makes more sense to me because it feels yeah. like Brad Pitt said, "I need more screen time," and that's this movie. The, his scenes is how that played out versus Margot like took the script and just went with what the script says. She's been like a team Jack player call, for too like long. Jack, like Jack calling Manny and being like, hey, I'm proud of you or whatever. Like that fits more for me with the Manny is our, our conductor on this chaotic train of debauchery in Hollywood and change. Like that, that fits more to me than all of Jack's scenes combined. Hmm. Well, we're, we're, we're starting. We're getting close to spoilers. Yeah, here. run it down. Like, sorry, I, can't, I keep uh, so, derailing you. <laughs> I'm just going anyway, to yell but, about so much. <laughs> Oscar Lens, finally. I Look, very likely original score production design. I'm guessing yes for Margot Robbie in costumes. 
I'm 50-50 on cinematography, picture, makeup, and hair. And I was at the time, I was saying cynically Brad Pitt. 50-50 on them getting nominated. But I'm hopefully you guys talk me down from Brad Pitt. And I think there's puncher's chance possibilities for sound, which I'm seeing a lot of 10s, not 5s. Director Chazelle got Critics' Choice, but he did not get uh, Globe. Who the hell knows what that means anyway. Original screenplay, I would still say puncher's chance, even though it's going to take a huge punch. And Calva... I just don't think those performances get nominated all the time where he's very stoic for much of the film. And you're, you're right. He's reacting to all these other forces of nature. But then by the end of it, he's got so many explosions that it's hard. Those uneven performances don't typically get nominated. I think people will chalk it up to as a breakthrough. You guys agree with kind of my breakdown here? We're looking at a five... Five and you know five and a half over under for this movie, is Mike. The or, only, here's the only caveat I'd say: Is there a chance this plays better with the Academy than it does with the public? I don't think I don't no. think it does after this level of bombing. Like this movie is going to be looked at as a complete and total disaster financially. And if as that's much the case, as we then may, yeah, I think I think we're on the lower end, probably four or five, four and a half I, is I probably the over under. I, I, I would be surprised at this point if Babylon got a picture nomination. I would be you know. I think it's 50-50 at the moment, and unless this movie kind of rebounds, and maybe we could... I don't know if we helped it or hurt it today with our review, even though I thought we were fair and we're up and and down on it. Yeah, it's an uneven movie. Yeah. All right, spoiler time. Let's give Amanda a chance to scream now about the block. (laughs) (laughs) I have opinions. (laughs) Spoilers ahead! This is a spoiler warning. This is the spoiler section for the movie Babylon, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Our buddy Swell, Amanda of Swell Entertainment on YouTube, is here along for the ride with us. If you've not seen the movie yet, this is where you want to hit pause on us. Go to your theater to check it out. We'll be here waiting for you to want to come back and hit play. If you've seen the movie already, if you need to hear our thoughts or the aforementioned promise Amanda's yelling and screaming about the plot of this movie, this is where you want to be. (laughs) All spoilers from this point out. We decided we're going to go chronologically, Michael. Start the train here. All right, so matzo ball soup to the face <laughs> out of the ass of an elephant. We were, were realizing that uh, the life of a Hollywood, uh, a Hollywood party gopher is a very difficult one in Diego Calva trying to get an elephant up to a mansion. And, of course, his life as a, as a party liaison gets worse until it gets better because he meets the love of his life he thinks in margot robbie but guys we got this party sequence to open the film we got a big song from Faye, which is filthy but like the shock value moments bothered me the most like the, the golden shower was that necessary <laughs> do we have oh, to it was nice no, of harvey weinstein to have a place in this movie that what's f- that it was nice of harvey weinstein to have a part in this movie that fat slob that was <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I always like Phoebe Tonkin. That's who played the the party girl that has ODs. And love the fact that she's, you know, not dead, but she just, they should have just, honestly, that sounds bad. They should have just had the character be dead because now I'm wondering if she's okay the rest of the movie and we never see her again. <laughs> that, I think that would have been a bad look if they her. just killed her off, though. She will, what, what purpose does this whole bit other than, you know, using, they needed a reason to get the elephant through the party. That's right. the only reason they, they had Correct. her unconscious. Correct. That is true. They, they are not, it is not the kindest towards any female character, which again, probably goes back to the writer's room and probably goes back to, you know, this is a, a male helmed movie to begin with. I don't disagree with any of that. I don't think it's very sex positive like we already established, even though no. the party is just a, a wave of tits everywhere. 
I, I, agree I did with debate. That. I did debate debate tweeting at Austin Butler to ask if he can fight because of the kiss that Faye gives uh, Kaya Gerber in this movie. I was like, "Damn, <laughs> can Austin fight? Like, <laughs> what are my chances here?" He seems like a lover, not a fighter. We do watch Margot Robbie's Nellie Leroy character win the party, and by being such a force on the dance floor, she basically gets cast for the next day's shoot. Uh, and, and then, you know, we watch Diego Calva. Be- just win from the being party. a party girl, just from being a party girl right. and being in basically wearing a dress that caught your eye. She is now suddenly gets her opportunity to be a star. Now, I do think exactly. there is, I mean, the reason this, this movie is so negative towards female and every female character in general is because that's the point. Of how Hollywood was in that right. Days, right? I That's mean, the criticism. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I we can watch. Uh, we can watch this sequence, at least the fun parts of it, forever. Again, like some of the, like the dance sequence where she's getting, you know, crowd surfed to the to the middle, oh, you, and then what you didn't like, where she is routinely shown as Venus on the clamshell, it was surrounded <laughs> by party people. You didn't like that imagery. You weren't a fan of that. They did it so many times. I was like, Dad, fuck, is this the whole movie? <laughs> Uh, look at they're not exactly <laughs> subtle they're not exactly no, subtle no, for much of this movie that was great. definitely one of my dings upon rewatch i was like man this movie is wild it's coming at me a mile a minute and then on when you think about it for a half a second you're like oh jesus that's on the nose and that's this is this is also on the nose so that's a, a bit frustrating i do think uh i do think the fallout of the first scene after the credits after we get the title card of babylon with uh brad pitt and diego calva the morning after like the morning after scenes i could hang out with these characters mornings after uh, all day like that's the fun part of this luke we we're behind and we watched you know diego calva essentially get hired manny torres get hired by the biggest movie star in the world because he's just a a good uh assistant and there's a lot of hurry up and wait and a lot of showing you what happens on film sets, especially back in those days, how everyone's kind of at the mercy of one person, whether it's this hot-headed director or whether it's the gopher who has to get a new camera or whether it's, you know, the star who needs to, who's drinking in his tent and when he comes out, he can't stand properly. But when he's on film and it's the, the director yells action, he nails it as it is. I mean, it, there was all that stuff in there, too, showing the actual side of Hollywood, which was kind of cool, yeah. I thought. No, I loved that scene. Yeah. I loved that whole thing. And I loved the, you know, you're waiting for a camera. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, like now we can't even picture waiting mm-hmm. for a camera for that long. What do you mean there's one camera left in the store? What do you mean all the cameras are broken? <laughs> what are you talking about? Get me a camera. And he's like, no, not only are you the low man on the totem pole, you cannot go back to set without that goddamn camera, mm-hmm. you know? And you have consistent the, moments of comedy throughout all this, too. I mean, even whether he's Diego Calva's getting the camera, he has to steal an ambulance to come back to beat, you know, to get back in time for sunlight. You have all the extras who are being treated like shit because, again, that's the point. That's the criticism of old Hollywood. They're all people from, you know, the, the slums and, the streets, and homeless yeah. people. And then you have a, a gopher that has to deal with them and they chasing him in the background and want to, you know, behead him because they want higher pay. You know, there's there's moments of comedy all throughout this movie, which is they hit you from the start. To me... Everything you just said, the on-set sequence there is some of the best 
that was great. filmmaking of the year. That's that's my favorite. I could live in that sequence yep. forever. But see, even then, could have you could have done this whole movie from set to set to set. Yep. Not show the aftermath. Just show what happens on these st- sound stages and these sets and how right. that changes over time. That would have been an incredible movie. I would have loved that. I agree. Have, have uh, yeah, just, I mean, it writes itself. I mean, you, yeah. you have them becoming a star on the adjacent sets. Then you have uh, the, the first talkies, which is, <laughs> it's not going well. And then you have, uh, you can have her trying to be rebranded as this, you know, costume drama uh, superstar, this polished version of herself that she never wanted to be. And probably, I mean, the stars the- show the stars showing up to set drunk, them doing cocaine yeah. in their trailers, them, you know, like the the cameras running out. Someone's gone. We literally are just seeing them be gone. You know, like the the spot where they actually kill someone by mistake, and they're just like, eh, he ran into it. He had heart problems. You know, like. He was a the, pian- <laughs> so good. The great disconnect between Calva and Robbie was that he he supported her while she was the quote unquote wild child, and then he uh, he tried to change her by the end of it. And and I think Brad Pitt's story is is even. I I mean, he's more of the addiction well, story. Yeah, many Manny, well. Manny's Manny's whole thing is that he is a fixer. He is a fixer from the moment we meet him. He is no longer a fixer by the time we yeah. meet him by the end, you know, but that's, he was always going to be the fixer in her story and seeing her from the lens of, okay, this is a problem. How am I going to deal with this problem? Whether he was in love with her or not, because at the party she was, you know, someone who wasn't supposed to be there, but he was like, oh, okay. You know, but then it's like, oh, okay, let's just get you cocaine. He's lovesick. Yeah. Clearly. I mean, I mean, and that's why I, I'm kind of, I, I take a softer touch with their relationship than I think both of you do because I, I've seen that in my real life. Like, Margot Robbie had to... I know we're jumping way ahead in the movie, but Margot... Right. That had to end awfully for both of them. And Margot Robbie had to be the one... I to agree. ...lie and separate herself from Mandy because he was never going to do it. Well, ultimately, this has to be a what-goes-up-must-come-down narrative. Because when you show excess to this level, when you show addiction and drugs, drugs to this level, whether it's a Scorsese film like, uh, like Goodfellas or... Uh, what's the other movie I, I referenced Wolf there? Or, or Wolf of Wall Street, or it's a, uh, or it's a drug movie like Train Spotting, or it's a gambling addiction movie like Uncut Gems. I mean, you're gonna go up and then come. The come down is inevitable. You have to right. show that unless you're a monster. But right. they don't show the come down. You know, they they it happens off screen, which is why again for Robbie, for Robbie. Yeah. yes. For Robbie. And for, so, for Brad Pitt, you get too much of the come down, and it's a bummer, and it actually takes you out of the story. And I hate that Faye knows, because you know Faye knows. Faye knows this, like this is the last time I'm gonna see him, right. and that's why she 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 follows falls back and waits. You know, even though I'm gonna push one of the Brad Pitt scenes later as one of the best scenes of the movie, I yeah, it's 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 a bummer because it's not connected as well. So we move into. You know the success, or move from the success of the onset sequence into Nellie Leroy becoming a star. We see the audience react to her. We get the New York diversion of the jazz singer. So kind of the break in Act Two is that everything changes as we learn from the jazz singer premiere and the Nellie Manny car ride, the sanatorium, like all of the. Again, we're we're probably ignoring the main. The most interesting character with the most dimensions in, in Nelly. Like even even she- even 
even when she's crying on command and uh, the director is like, how did you do that? She just says, I just think a home. Then we don't see that the rest of the movie. You know, it's like her dad's an ass the entire time. And then she goes and sees her mom and is just doing it like it's some form of like, okay, I'm in New York. I should go and see her, you know, and then moves along. It's like, God, we were given so many glimpses at her life. And again, if the whole movie was framed like that from Manny's perspective of this is how the rest of the world experiences Hollywood. And then here's the reality in the final third. Listen to me. No, now I'm angry that we had you on because I didn't have any of these thoughts. And now you're like, you're making a great case. I'm like, yeah, that would have been I open your mind to everything. You're welcome. (laughs) No, I think your perspective is, I think you're right on. I think she needed agency in the plot. And instead, because I thought I I came into this thinking this was Margot's movie anyway. And then you're making a lot of good point. I'm like, yeah, that's that's a great criticism. The line my dad moved was she was the disaster. The the line my dad used was she was a disaster at the start of the movie. She and she never once changed from being a disaster. And even then her trying to, you know, get on stage with the, the talkies and all of that and figuring all that out. You would think that her whole goal of being a star, I'm born to be a star. I am one. You would think she would be more, you know, not open to change, but open to try and be the best at that as well. You know, like we saw her with going to get a procedure done to shove the other actress off the role and all of that and icing her nipples and all this stuff and trying to, you know, play the game to win basically and be the star. And so you would think she would still maintain that. And the only way that it makes sense that she wasn't maintain that is if we were shown not the debauchery and the drinking and the drugs and all of that, but the one vice that she clearly seemed to actually have a problem with, which was the gambling. And we never once see her gambling aside from the opening scene of the movie. I do think she's a, uh, like you said, a fixed point and a, and a force of nature that we, we watch all the different aspects of it. And we we're given more backstory for her than any of these other characters, maybe with the exception of Brad Pitt because of George Munn's character. And yeah, that's frustrating because then she does not have any agency in that third act. She's also a comedic character, and and typically comedic characters won't change in in, in many stories. And you'll that's why you got to have the quote unquote straight man be a protagonist. You know, the Luke Wilsons of the world be the protagonists of these stories, while the Will Ferrells start one way and end the same way in most of those movies, especially when they're they're surrounding a straight man character like luke wilson so that's that's frustrating in that he moved away from the comedic arcs of this story and like you keep getting it like the snake fight party sequence that is all this stretched rubber band and it's and it's good it works it's it's that whole thing that whole sequence for that punchline for that big for that big reveal of the snake biting her neck and then Faye coming to her rescue. Yeah, the like, reveal is that she finally kisses the girl. That's the reveal because Faye makes the bit like, oh, you think she swings both ways uh, it, when she's doing the wild child, uh, you know, yeah. lines and all of that. And then they almost kiss during the dance when she's clearly having a meltdown, you know, and then she's like all giggly and then they finally kiss and then now they're together or whatever. And then we don't see any more manifestation other than the line where they're help- she's helping her with lines and they're sitting on the bed, you know? And it's like, we need this to not be a problem. And Manny's like erasing. It would be one thing. I would buy the Manny comment about like, this needs to, you got- we can't have you guys be gal pals anymore. I would buy that more if it was from a place of jealousy for Manny, honestly, versus 
this is for her image and I need her to be better because I care about her this way. I would buy that whole sequence more if there was more jealousy because it's so cold for Manny. And it's not like this is just business, which is, which is what he says. Yeah. I just don't think it works for him. Manny gets knocked out in that sequence. So you're right. I think they're, they're struggling for a point of view in that sequence. They gave it to Margot at the end of the day. And she's staring into the abyss in that scene. And it's fascinating that her father's staring to the abyss in that scene where he's willing to fight the snake initially and then he just passes out. I mean, that, again, it, we, we're getting her parents. We're getting to know her parents better than most of the other side characters in this film. Mm-hmm. And yet uh, we don't get to know her agency until she what? She leaves the guy and walks off into the, you know, into the, into the darkness. Like, yeah. Right. Uh, so the snake fight sequence, I feel like it works as a comedic bit, even though it's stretched too far, but it, it doesn't really work in terms of the characterization of the movie. We move from there, guys, to like the singing in the rain, big talky presentation underneath Noah's Ark with all the, uh, what was that song, Mike, in the 1990s? We are the world, we are the children, where all the stars kind of sang yeah. to it. It seemed like one of those. Yeah. And Sidney Palmer, it's his, it's his big scene where he was offered a job at the snake fight sequence party, and then Manny has that revelation that hey, you're, you know, you're, Sidney tells him you turn the camera, you should turn the, the camera way. the other. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So cool scene. That all goes to me in one of the best scenes of the film, uh, or precedes one of the best scenes in the film, where Brad Pitt gets in the news that. It, uh, his friend has killed himself, George Bond. You and think that's have... one of the best scenes of the film? Here's why. I have lost Here's all why. respect for you. <laughs> <I'm gonna end laughs> this I wrote a whole page. I hate that scene so much. For them to... Okay, continue. Go for it. I'll let you talk. Go, Go I'm, I'm going to lay out. You too And fight. then I'll do my nice. job. And then I'll do my job. Well, here's what I like. I like that we have... A scene that is ultimately the argument between the husband and wife is about text versus subtext and the, you could kind of look at this as a microcosm for the movie and i wonder for the marketing in general but you have brad pitt movie star jack conrad who is now underestimating his own audience basically saying i gotta give them what they want that's why i'm here i'm a star Right, and he's just going to give them the big mushy kissing scene, and his wife, played by Catherine Waterston, is telling him you should play the subtext. Meanwhile, the scene is about him playing the subtext in the argument against his wife, where he's lashing out against her, which is an ugly lash out, and it's, and it's also if you took take you know the three sided die here, it's essentially what's happened in the news over his life. Right, because he's la- he's lashed out against Angelina Jolie in the past, like it's it, it's this crazy octagonal scene where we're looking at it from all sides, where Brad Pitt is proving his own his his character is proving the wife correct. Ultimately, the wife is correct because that scene is going to ruin his career. And we were shown how it ruins his career. I love you. I love you. I love you. How it's made fun of 20 years later. The implications of that scene are humongous. And why does it happen? It happens because he's given this terrible news and he doesn't know how to process it because he can't process any real shit in his life because he's just on a bender for, for half the time. And then in, in trying to prove that his 
his art is not a low art. He is ultimately pandering to his audience worse than ever. And again, he proves he proves himself right in that scene because the audience rejects it later on in the movie. And the contrast to the best scene that he has with uh, on top of the uh, you know the big kiss scene, it's something that he totally misinterprets. The reason why that kiss scene was so great. And the reason why we're all going nuts over it in the time, it's because he's chasing a metaphorical woman in that scene. It wasn't even a real woman. It was a figment of his imagination that he kisses in that scene. And he and he does it to perfection because that's his entire encapsulation of his character. So your appreciation just, for the scene sounds more from a, from a meta standpoint than it does actually it, happen. It works. It's a, it's a scene about text and subtext. And it harkens back to the rest of the movie. So it really is a scene that draws from the rest of the movie. And I'm probably doing a poor job of of kind of pulling in all the context. But it's really a well-written scene, in my opinion, because the historical satire is on point. The character study for him is, it just resounds throughout the rest of the morning movie because it, it actually funnels into that one scene where you're watching his climactic choice. Because he's arguing with his his wife, he is going to take this belligerent stance and he is going to ruin his movie career in that scene. And then we'll watch just the fallout from there, uh, there on. I know that's that's what I thought. I just I, I I was surprised to be able to read into that scene as much and and find as many uh, pathways out of it. I, guess. I didn't see the uh, the relation to the actual Brad Pitt himself. I wonder at what point that was filmed versus what was going on in Brad Pitt's personal life. That's an interesting take. But those are the is positives. It- is it a coincidence that he's had two movies in a row, the biggest movies? Well, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he's he's an accused wife killer in that movie. I think he definitely did it in that movie. That little cutscene they do definitely implies that he did it. There's so many deep dives on YouTube about whether or not he did, too. It's pretty funny. I mean, this is almost like getting to the point where like Woody Allen makes how many movies about being a pedophile or almost being a pedophile? Ugh, Manhattan. I'm still disgusted. Or like Chris D'Elia playing someone who, Mm -hmm. you know, assaults children and you, and then, like, not long after. Is he rationalizing it? Is he dealing with it? Like, is Louis C.K. making one movie after another about being a creep? Right? I mean, it's just... He's probably a creep. Why did Quentin Tarantino So he's processing this. uh, That death metal movie, yeah, right after what happened with... uh... I can't. Why can I think of nothing right now? Right, Kill Bill. Right, but but Kill Bill too mm. with yeah. the de- you know the death proof car movie the car after scene, yeah. he's guilty, most guilty about right. his star getting in a car crash. All right, so those are the positives, Amanda. What's what's uh what's got your eye so, on this scene? Though I do like him finally snapping at her and the monologue of that one felt like a weird. Um, I think his his actual execution of the monologue I think was weird. Um, in my opinion, it just didn't fit. I didn't believe him in that moment. You know, I really didn't. And I well, think he's playing the rage. He's pl- he is playing the rage over his like the su- that's the text and the subtext is really he's enraged over. His OK, but, you know, it's one thing to discuss that. And then one thing to have a character explain ex- d- displaying real emotion, you know, and I think it's one. Th- I get what your your interpretation of the scene, I though I agree with. And, uh, you know, I do like the overall monologue of that I would have liked to have actually seen him you know show actual grief and shock over being told that his friend finally did what he's been threatened to since the start of the movie you know and 
Brad Pitt does have my dad's favorite line in the movie. He keeps quoting it to me when he get, we get off the phone. He keeps saying, well, you know, if she was a lesbian, that'd be an uphill battle for anyone. You know, that's my dad's favorite line in the whole movie. Yeah, no, my whole thing with this scene, though, is just like I would have liked more of a reaction to that news, you know, and said it's like he went right into I have this feeling of this. He's silent and that's all we get from him. You know, I'm not asking him to, you know, scream and throw the phone at her head or anything like that. But like something other than actually, you know what? Now that my friend's dead, here's what I think of your theater. You know, like I don't think that that I didn't like that. That's just me being a nitpicky bitch, I think, more than anything. Um, but I would have liked an actual reaction because, you know, even he says it's like he always he, he he was always in my corner, you know. And so to lose that type of person in your life, I think is hard. And I think he would have guilt as well for him finally doing what he's been threatening to do this whole movie. And he never, like, you know, he's just like, no, let's get you out of the car. You know, he never addresses right. the issue. It's also said in the times, you know, and then that's also what I end up, I know we're skipping ahead, but that's why I have an issue with his death. Cause I don't think he would shoot himself. Cause that's how George kills himself. I don't think he would shoot himself. So the way I read the scene is that he makes a decision to process what's happened to George in the worst way possible by taking it out on his wife and ultimately that belligerent stance that he makes, which is a, is a misread on the industry in general and on his stardom and why he's there. And, and I think it goes back to the fact that George was the one guy who believed in him from the beginning. And he has this lack of confidence truly at, at the center of him, which is probably why the addiction and the I think you're both making the point that he doesn't know how to process but grief, which is he, he ruins his career. He ruins his career in that scene. Everything else is just a declining action from there on out. And it's mm-hmm. that particular scene that they're arguing about, the big kiss at the end of the movie, the big mushy that that ultimately it makes him a laughing stock in the business. Mm-hmm. And it all goes downhill from there. So I, I, I can think, respect that. I, think, I can also respect I think that you're I hate right. Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right in the sense that they're showing in that scene, they're actually showing how he ruins his career and why. So You've, anyway, yeah, you're both uh, establishing the on, fact though. that he's a character that doesn't know how to handle his grief. And that's shown both in that scene and the fact that he doesn't know how to handle his star being burnt out finally. So he does go to kill himself right. as opposed to handling it in any other way. <laughs> I did love that monologue so much from her. I'm sorry. My dog's a psychopath. Hermes. <laughs> well, you, you took away his dry cleaning bag. How's he supposed to read? Oh, God. Hold on. Hermes. <laughs> Stop screaming at the neighbors. We should do one where all of us have our dogs around us at all times. Stop. Yeah, my dog would just sound like, burf, <laughs> burf. You're not going to bark at people. Stop. That's how she, dar- she barks. Eli would bark strongly. Russ would it's just sound- stare. He no, would just stare uh, we and live judge. In a, we, live, we live in an apartment building, and my dog thinks that everyone who makes noise in the hallway has a gun or something because that's how he reacts. Like, there's a five-alarm fire, and he is the and the, and the smoke detectors are out, and so he is to alert everyone. Yeah, that and is guess how what, Swell? You haven't been shot once, have you? So you should thank her. <laughs> <laughs> He's done his job. All right. Uh, I think we could move on i mean i'm sorry to 
take us on that. Uh, 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 once again, you guys really disappoint. I thought that was going to be a battle full of fire and fury, and you guys are going no, to be because I can under I can understand his perspective. I just hate Brad Pitt, and I think the that's respect you give scene. Mike and the respect Sorry. I don't get from you is very concerning to me. Well, you're in Big Clifford's pocket, and therefore <laughs> I'm allowed to have disdain for you. No, no, but se- but seriously, my whole my I have a lot of. I mean, you can like this scene as much as you want, but like I do have a lot of issues with Brad Pitt's him pausing and like making a little smirk or like making a little eyebrow quirk if we cut all that out the runtime would be two hours and 20 minutes (laughs) and i i truly think that his scenes were drawn out the most and it's not just because i think that this should have been the entire thing should have been through the lens of manny's eyes you know it's not just that i truly think that they gave him way too much screen time and i think he had it in his contract that he needed x amount of screen time to be in this movie and i think that that's the only thing that makes sense to me Meanwhile, we're rushing through the rest of it with a montage of Nellie's bad press coverage, uh, how Manny's trying to revive her career. Those scenes are are done quickly in, in the sense that he's going to try and resurrect her as a costume, you know, uh, actress there Dead in Utah. TV movies yeah. that me and my mom like. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're, we're watching Manny just straight up lose his way ruining Sydney's career by forcing Sydney to wear makeup during his big scene in his first feature, which was a, a really intense I, cutaway. That was intense, and I think that it was done well. And then I do also like that Sydney walks off afterwards because in a sense yeah. it's like, you know, it's like it's the things you do for the role, but then can you live with yourself afterwards? And he did not want to live with well, the that only reason Sydney does it is because fact. Manny was a total dick and puts the, you know, oh, you're costing everyone their food and family. Yeah. Exactly. Right. No, no, I so. I agree, and that's why he does it. But then he's like, you know, I can't do this again. I will not do this again to myself. And I respect. I liked that scene. And then again, I think we, uh, they, they they. It's like they cut out these characters in favor of Nellie and Jack and Manny, and like we see that with Faye, we see that with Sydney, and then we don't see them until the end. And then I feel like that's one of a narrative failing on the movie because Faye comes back in only to be like a one final calming voice in jack's mind you know one last person to care about him like are you doing okay sweetie and the answer is no and she knows when she gets up this is the last time i'm gonna see him and then same with sydney it's like he the he manny seeing manny lose himself and force that on him he cannot live with one what he did but he also cannot he does he realizes this thing that he's wanted his whole life basically or at least what we've been shown he wants to be the star he wants to be recognized for his talent between it's that scene and then also how he was kind of seen as how he was treated in the party scene we haven't even talked about the party scene um and which i, I don't know should we have kept the party mm-hmm. scene would would you have kept the party scene in the, the, the end? yeah yeah, we're getting there in a second. I, okay. I guess I, so. I have two questions. What I, I'm curious about what you guys think of these two scenes back to back, because we have Brad Pitt and Gene Smart basically stating the theme of the movie about the merciless cycle of I show business of Hollywood. I of love celebrity. that scene too. I kind of love it too, and yet it's so on the nose that I've dinged scenes like I this think in the for, past. I think for him, for that, it's like kind of what you said. He needs it to be on the nose. He needs the the I'm going to give them what they want. We're playing text versus subtext. He needs her to spell it out for him like that. That's what he and it needs. Would, I think it would have been more on the nose if she was respectful of him. 
Like, she's a cold, she does not give a shit. She's like, I've seen a million of you, and I'll see a million more. Your star's done. It's time for you to move along. Just get with it, man. Yeah, Yeah. the only thing that makes sense, like, but even in doing that, like, her taking Nellie under her wing, in a sense, like, what is that then? Was she paid? Is that the only reason that, like, because then I would have liked to have seen that, you know, because that's the only thing that makes sense is if, like, okay, I have a vested interest in you. Well, that could, yeah, I mean, and there it is. That could be the commentary on film criticism in general because Mike and And I comment all the time. Right, exactly. Mike and I talk all (laughs) the time. There's this insipid, you know, you're in bed with studios and you're in bed with famous people and that's why a lot of critics don't want to talk badly about anything because they want to be able to take these selfies at these awards shows with these, you know, A-listers. That's exactly. I think that's. But then she seems genuinely bothered by Nellie's meltdown and by Nellie not being able to, you know, conform the way that she needs her to. Like she seems genuinely bothered, and I don't think that you know Jean Smart is capable of you know giving that type of performance if that's not what was asked of her. So it's like again, I feel like this is just a poor decision, maybe narratively wise, that whole party sequence because it puts too much emphasis on how she could potentially care about Nellie. And less so, like, when when Manny is talking about, like, oh, this is the plan, we'll have her do a write-up, all this stuff, that's one thing. That is, you know, she's in the pocket, that makes sense for what we end up seeing from that monologue. But the party mm-hmm. sequence, I think, throws that whole thing out. If you view Jean Smart's actions not as she cares about Nellie breaking down, but, as she, but instead she cares about her investment bottoming out. Like, she doesn't care that Nellie's having a breakdown or showing her true colors. She cares that she invested so much time into getting this new A-lister and, like, putting herself behind it, and now it's going to have no payoff for her. It's not just time. It's her reputation yeah, and her she's losing usefulness. her, her in I know, but would she, would she take that risk with Nellie if she knows what Nellie is capable of then? Would she take the risk of not only getting her into this party, but leading her into this party, you know, guiding her through this party, well, Jean's, connecting Jean, herself so she doesn't heavily. Know she doesn't know any better because she thinks the allure of star and, fan, and fame is the trump card to everyone, right? I mean, she thinks that's, that's the end all and be all is Hollywood's bright lights. And whether when Hollywood's done with you, you're nothing. When Hollywood can use you, you're not going to turn your back on Hollywood. Who would do that? Mm-hmm. So she doesn't think Nellie's capable of doing what Nellie does at the party, I think. No, I think she would know by that point because they know that's part of that's why they're doing the rebrand. She would know. It's foolish because they and this is Manny's miscalculation as much as anything. You know, Nellie has the meltdown and it's really it's really not a meltdown as much as is a middle finger to the whole room. Like you guys think I'm this person here. Here I am. Uh, here's what I'll be. I, if you want me to deliver this performance and it's a flip side of where she makes her name uh, on the bar, right? Mm-hmm. She makes her name on top of the bar in the old saloon for being the wild child. And then you try to change me F you not letting it happen. Uh, but okay, I'll play this role to an extent, and then I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to play that role. It's another performance within a performance for for this character. Why she's the most fascinating character in the film, and yet the only time she gets agency, it's towards self destruction in this, and really her career destruction in that scene. Yeah, I buy that. Bummer. Yeah. Um, so Nellie, Nellie ultimately owes money to seriously dangerous people. We're given this final kind of catapult into the end of act three. She goes to Manny to help. Like you said, wish we saw that. Uh, Well, I just think, I just think it would have been such a good choice 
visually, narrative-wise, cinema-wise, if we had seen the dissolution of her career alongside her ability to control her gambling habits, you know? Because we see it when she's in New York. That's why she's there. But she's, that's when her stardom is the, the top, you know? And so they think I have a gambling problem. I just only do it when I'm happy or sad or upset. Yeah, that line hit a little too close to home for me. <laughs> that was a great line, you know? But it's like, you know, if they had just shown how anything more of her other than because then again we see her winning at crafts with the usc soccer team we see her yeah. winning at the start of the movie the only time we have an in- a hint that she's having a problem is that scene and then when the the head of the studio says uh she's she's gambling all of her money away or whatever you know it's like there's lines like that that i just think if we had been able to see how her ability to control her problem if there was ever any control which my guess is no because she's never thought control was a necessity to have because she's the star you know that alongside her spiraling to maintain stardom and the fear she has over losing that what she believes she has she was born with that would have been great to see that would have been so yeah. good. And that would have been like, that would have, those scenes would have been like one scene back to back of her losing, you know, a role or something or being chosen. Like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this. Cause I just no, think, I, I think you're, you're exact. I mean, what we got, I wish we got something else. Like the whole mm. going out to LA's asshole and the Tobey Maguire stuff and everything that happens. Yeah. Towards, that was so, I, I, we saw more, we saw more of him trying to get the money than we saw of her gambling the entire yeah. movie. I, I agree. I, I I wish we had. I mean, if we're talking about this is too long and it doesn't need to be that long, and where would you make cuts? Like, I, I would have absolutely cut a lot of stuff out of that last hour, and I wish we got something else. I would have. I would have much rather seen Nelly struggling than I than what we got with the randomness of a live rat being eaten. Yeah, we got Nelly begging Manny for help, followed by Jack taking the piece of crap bailout movie. He finally gets offered a film, and then yes, Toby Maguire's house. Manny and oh, quote, fun unquote, fact: the, the guy, the, the guy in the scene with him, uh, that blonde guy on the beach with him in that scene, um, oh, yeah. is the guy who played Leonardo in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Babers movies. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> I don't fuck that around. Is a fun fact: I, I do not fuck around with my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles factoids. Okay. <laughs> it's the second time you've referenced Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to me. What is going on there? I love the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm trying to manifest a role in one of those movies. Apparently, Seth Rogen is doing one. I am trying so hard to find out how to audition for that fucking movie. I will play. I will play a, a fucking tree. I will play the manhole cover one of them throws around. I don't give a shit. I want to be in that movie so bad. And playing the pepperoni pizza, swell entertainment. <laughs> well, I wish the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles could go into that uh, Dante's Inferno seventh circle of hell. What was this? So Michelangelo would have loved that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> is that whole series just telling us that L.A. is is hell? Were you guys just rolling your eyes during well, this I think whole thing? My whole thing, my, my dad just kept leaning over being like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, it was just, <laughs> just know, weird no, dish. No, I, think, I think it was trying to make a comment like, oh, yeah, like the the image of Hollywood got buttoned up and gussied up, but it didn't disappear, the debauchery. It just went the underground. I think that's what it was trying to do. And, but and, I think there was a way to show that. Like maybe like maybe Margot Robbie is in that Dante's Inferno. You know, like instead it's like this, this weird fucking detour of look who you should put in this movie. And I think it could have been done so much better because you come from this weird 
uh, opium den party thing with this fake money. The fact that one, also, why would you bring the dirty money with you to this Dante's Inferno? Wouldn't you just take a handful of bills, shove them in your pocket and go? Why would you have them bring the whole sack of 80 grand with you? That's fucking insane. Oh my God. Well, I don't it know that Tobey Maguire's character is all that rational or well-rounded. That whole right. thing was insane. <laughs> that whole thing was stupid. Anyways. I can I can absolutely see people being turned off by this movie if that's the lasting image they're going. And by, by the way, that's also why I think we get the uh, epilogue at the end there that we do with Manny coming back to the studio and then we get the... Uh... He killed a man. He, he would not come back. He would not come back. <laughs> it's the fight from Anchorman, right? I mean, he's brick. Yeah. That, that escalated <laughs> yeah. quickly. Yeah. Uh, I like Chad. Checkoff's alligator. I'm glad they didn't <laughs> have any <laughs> quick payoff. Though <laughs> you're introduced to it and it becomes a, a payoff within like what five minutes. You guys need to make merch that says Checkoff's alligator, <laughs> or else I'm never coming on this podcast again. All right, Mike, we got to make some merch. I'll get on it. Uh, uh, but okay, so now it was emotional to watch Manny kind of convincing Nelly to flee with him to Mexico. You know, it's doomed, right? Uh, they get gas. They stop by a party and dance. They get engaged. He professes his love for her yet again. She finally reciprocates. You would think, even though it's, you get the again, photos, you now have evidence that he is the last person to see her alive. Probably. So, right. I mean, oh, come oh, on. Why point. would you come back to LA? You would not come back to right. LA. I, you, that's, uh, what was it, 30 years he waited or 20 years? That's not long enough. I And then he brings his family with him? No, I'm sorry. No, Manny knows better. There's so much momentum in that scene, though. And it goes be- it goes into Jack's last night, which his last chat was Faye, with Faye is meaningful. But Jack last night is, I mean, talk about the bummer of all bummers. Like, just... I mean, just have him talk to Faye and maybe do, maybe show him. You don't have to show him kill himself. Nah, he shouldn't have killed I don't himself. Know that. He shouldn't have killed himself. I think that was a mistake. I, I get I why agree. it happened, like the dramatic payoff of it all and the, the visual image of the blood splatter and all that. I get it. Uh, but I, I like that character should have. I think it sends a bad message if you have the guy that's having this biggest struggle with depression and realizing his life is over, actually admitting to himself that all he is is his career. I don't like that message. I agree. It's the worst part about this year, too. Too much suicide on on screen this year. I agree. That and then all the cannibalism. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's not go too far here. Don't say things. Don't say things you can't take back. He so so that and then uh, no, but he he shouldn't have killed himself. I don't think he would have used a gun because that's how George killed himself. You know, I think there would have been something else. I think. My dad's whole thing was like, you know, he his wife, every time he saw me, he was with a new woman. And I noted that they just kept getting younger and younger every time he seemed to have a new wife, you know. And so, yeah. like, the logical st- – I think something like maybe he becomes destitute by the end of it. Like, he finally – his his attempt to, re- to maintain his stardom is going after these women who f- revere him as these, you know, you – oh, my God, you're, you're Jack – what's his name? You know, like, oh, my God. He's with I the waitress at the end, right? That's his wife. No, that's not the, the waitress. No? That's that's a model. She's a I know who she is. Taylor something. She's a she's okay. a Victoria's Secret angel. Um, and uh, no, that's not the, the 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 waitress at the end. No, she'd be too old for him now. That's the whole point. Okay. You know, that's that's mm. the thing. Because um, like what? Ten years has passed since the start of the movie. Because she's because Nellie's like what? Nineteen twenty when we meet her. She's we thirty two when she. Well, she's thirty two when yeah, she dies. Like, so she yeah. must be super young yeah, at the right. start. I mean, Margot Robbie's in her early 30s, so that's when I, I, I don't know. It's just 
silly that these movies age everybody up and down. But just but Jack should have gone to New York. No, but they the didn't. They ship. didn't even. They didn't even do that. You know, I feel like all the budget went to the party sequence, and they didn't even do like some pro- some makeup to age them up or down. Or oh anything. no, they're yeah. They're, Aside but, but, from her hair, she does not look like she has a cocaine problem by the end of the movie. Right. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Anyway, where were we? I think... Uh, oh, yeah. No, no, no. Sorry. I caught myself off. His whole thing... My dad... Sorry. My dad's whole thing was that uh, one of these wives should have taken all of his money. Like, his way of chasing his stardom is with these young these young girlfriends and fiancés and wives. And then one of them just takes all of his money and then he's left with nothing. And, you know, like, he realizes that, yeah, he did have nothing. That would that sounds bad, but, like, I think that's more makes more sense than him just killing himself. Yeah. Right. And we have... Again, all the momentum from the Manny Nelly stuff. Nelly walking off into the night. You're still reeling from Jack's suicide when you get the great West Side Story homage of her walking off like that. And I, I, I love that. That is an ending. I mean, it was. I think he's going for that iconic look, and it, and he and he hits it visually. Manny's near nearly killed in the. the Why is he killed? Yeah, that wasn't even the guy that he... That's not even from, you know, the, the Miles guy or whatever his name is. The guy that he killed. That's not even part of that. That He just hung around a dude that went by the Count and no one thought that, that was a red fucking flag to be having a guy <laughs> named the Count running around. And so he just he just is in the wrong time, place at the wrong time. Get out of L.A., never come back. Again, don't fucking come back to L.A. I know I'm getting mad about this, but he Wait, should not have come back Wait, that wasn't part of Tobey Maguire's thing? No! The Why would man, he let the Miles hit man live? was talking... Or Manny the hitman was, yes, the hitman was uh, Tobey Maguire's because it's the same guy on rewatch. No, I noticed. Yes, it is. is it's it? the same guy. It's a hundred percent. I rewatched the same it. guy as who? A hundred. This guy was sitting talking to Tobey Tobey Maguire, that hitman who comes in and kills the count. Why? And, so why the fuck does Manny live? Kill Manny yeah. then. This whole this, I, I, I hate because I sequence. thought I thought watching it, it had to have been from Tobey Maguire. So why the hell does Manny get al- out alive? They they stare at each other as they're as they're in Toby Maguire's mansion. One the hitman gets up and Toby uh, and they stare at each other, him and Manny, and then they change places and Manny sits down. So okay, so what is that this, guy? Yeah, so it's his hitman, and the hitman has mercy on him and lets him live and that's lets him leave town. Incredibly that's, stupid. Then yeah, again, why would you come back to L.A.? <laughs> The only man who knows, unless he unless he knows for a fact that guy is dead, the only man that knows he's alive. Right. But even then, it's like this is I would not come back to L.A. No, it's a Deus Ex Machina kind of s- salvation, which doesn't. It, it is frustrating. Sure told McGuire a good radio in New York one day, and the the beef was forgiven. Maybe he killed a fucking guy. You know, <laughs> well again, <laughs> which one of us? <laughs> who among us hasn't? You know. He probably killed some other people because someone either someone shot the alligator or the alligator got someone, you know. Well, that's death by alligator. That's not any fault of Manny's. He so, releases okay. the alligator. Of, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of rage on film Twitter in particular about the, about the epilogue of this movie. Like you said, Manny going back, uh, superfluous, ridiculous. He goes to the kinoscope gate like with his wife and child. Do, do you guys like the fact that he's in watching Singing in the Rain, and that I'd rather have a fifteen-minute uh, love letter to cinema like that than the masturbatory fablemans we got. 
Well, this is pretty masturbatory. That's, it's like, 15 minutes. Is... It's at the end of a three-hour movie, and it's like 10 to 15 minutes. I'm fine. I did not like it. Clips. I That's did not fine. like this it. I hated the solo. ending. I think they should have shown. I If I was writing the movie with how they perceived it, I would have edited it and ended it with the everyone's dead, and then, you know, more, and then continue the newsreel to talk about Avatar, uh, fucking uh, Titanic, like all these other movies. I, I know I just listed yeah. two James Cameron properties, but you know, <laughs> like all of these massive movies that have changed cinema over the years and, you know, ticket prices going up, all this stuff, like things like that would have been better than this newsreel clip. Like I've seen better but edits on TikTok. you don't have a problem with My the content God. of it. You have, you have no, a problem I don't have with a problem the execution, with the con- but you have I, a problem, I have a with, problem the with the execution. I hate that again, we are given a glimpse at what this movie could have been if Manny was our ferryman to the entire rest of the movie, the river of Hollywood. Then I would have had, I would have had way less issues with the ending, but the ending it's like, again, Brad Pitt's whole execution of his character and everything like that, I think ruins the entire premise of the movie for me. And the ending, I would have had way less issues with the ending. If the, again, I just think the way it's framed is more like, Mm. With the movie scenes that we see, it's more like he's upset that they're mocking Nellie's memory is what we end up getting than anything. And, and Jack, for that matter. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it, the, the entire plot of the film is seated in that one reference to the change in, you know, the industrial change from from silence to talkies in Singing in the Rain. And yes, the transformation that Manny has in that scene is is very on the nose and that he's horrified by it. He's he's dismayed by it. And then all of a sudden he's won back over by the magic of movies because it's such a beautiful Gene Kelly, you know, walk off there in, in the in the film. So, yeah, that's 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 kind of my frustration with this movie in a nutshell. Like, I, I love the. I love the uh, what's the saying? It's it's greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah, I think that's that's a saying. <laughs> Am I using it correctly? I have here? no idea. The sum is greater than the sum of its parts. No, the I don't think greater than the sum I of its parts. I don't think you're using it right. The whole is not greater than the sum the, of its parts. Well, that's the, the whole problem. Is not greater than the sum of Thank its parts. You. Yeah. So, the, but the, then also I like to the have, parts better than the whole. To have the gossips, you know, mortuary shown or like, oh, like she has passed away or whatever. Not have Faye, not have Sydney in that. I did not like how they handled Faye. Again, I did not like how they handled Nell. We didn't get to see anything from Nellie uh, basically being forced to change. And then, okay, also you can't be around the one person that you actually care about now. Because it is, it is implied they're dating. It is implied they have some form of relationship happening when Manny comes oh, yeah. into the picture and rearranges everything. You would think we would get something from her for that. But we get nothing. I also don't like that we totally glossed over the, uh, the guy flipping out on the, uh, well, I guess this is college scene. That man deserves an Oscar. I said it in a non-spoiler <laughs> section. I'll say it again. Him going nuts and the guy dropping dead out of the, the heat room in the middle of that with that puddle of sweat coming off him. I was literally... Remember the, the critic, Mike? I was like, you, you weren't honestly on the edge of your seat, like jumping up and down about Avatar. I was on the edge of my seat. I was slapping the table in front of me. I was laughing so hard at that scene. That was one no, of the I best love that scenes scene. of the past few years for me. I think it was good because it just shows, one, the frustration of even modern Hollywood. Like, you didn't <laughs> so say good. it exactly how we want you to say it, so you're going to do it again. Uh, you, you stepped on the wrong mark. You know, you... Everything in the world is the going t- wrong, and then on the seventh take, randomly, it comes off perfect. Yes. If they focus the movie on Nelly, or if they properly focus the movie, you know, with uh, with Manny 
kind of being the ferryman, like you're saying, if this movie was more focused in terms of its narrative devices, I do think we got. Does uh, yeah. You know, you could have a you could have one of the one of the great ones. I agree. I mean, they, the opulence and excess within the movie itself as well, not just the content of it. Yeah. Yeah, because the sum of its parts, the actual mathematical <laughs> equation, does not equal a whole that we are all, I, I, any one of us, satisfied with. But the parts, some of the parts are fun, and it's it's a bummer. Now, if you take this movie from a satirical perspective, if you take this movie from the fact that we know we're criticizing Hollywood, we're, we know we're criticizing the gender politics and all, and all of it, uh, about how much of a, a nightmare it was to be a woman, certainly in this industry for a hundred years, mm-hmm. uh, 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 an African American, yeah. an Asian American. Yeah, I mean, up till today. I mean, we're, we're, we're I mean, if we're D- Damien Chazelle, that's the statements we're making, and, and and they're on the nose and obvious. But even then, you you would want those statements to be make made from the from the POV, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. And and I don't think he achieves that. And he probably needed this to be his miniseries instead of the Eddie. Like Babylon should have been his Netflix miniseries, especially when they were doling out all that cash just to do anything. No, I think that would have worked. Right? That even that would have worked because then they could have had an each. The the only consistent character is Manny, and each episode focuses right. on a different person in Hollywood and the people that he's come in contact with throughout his life. You know, and I think we would have gotten so much more one from Manny, but then also just for each character because that's basically what this felt like. It was like a very wonky edited together limited series, is what it kind of felt like. Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree. Yeah, that's I don't disagree. That would have been better. Then the sum of its parts could have equaled a whole. You just really trying. You really will not. I'm just really trying because I felt really dumb. I felt really dumb and not understanding that saying until now. Uh, And I'm working through it. Do either of you have a different opinion now at the end of this review than you did coming into it about this uh, grade-wise or anything? I am way more set in my opinions that Manny should have, they should have reframed this whole movie. Again, I yeah. liked, there's a lot of this movie that I liked, and that's my frustration because I don't like wasted potential. I really don't. And I just think that something went wrong in the planning or in filming that led to this execution because Jack's scenes, if you just look at, like, Jack's whole narrative story just is different from Nellie's, but they are relegated to, they are essentially co-billed in this movie, essentially, at the very least, and she is kind of seen as, like, this, again, um, Aphrodite figure, this Venus figure walking throughout this movie, essentially, and we just kind of see her uh, dissolution, so I just, I think something happened during filming or whatever that just led to this narrative failing. I was... I was on cloud nine during some parts of my first watch. And I think the movie won me over so thoroughly that I was very happy with, I was going to be happy with it no matter what I get to see 50 boobies. <laughs> I get to, uh, get to watch. Oh, my dad was very, music, my dad, this is, this is my father. He was like, uh, why, what is with this guy in little tits? There were not one big pair of tits in this yes. entire movie. Yes. Amanda's father. Yeah. I don't, I don't discriminate. I'm happy with all, all, all the, all the boobies in this movie, but look at, I, I come away from the second watch, just really bummed out. I, I was very bummed out last night. I probably should have tweeted about it. And now after, you know, I, talking to you guys i'm even docking more points i gotta dock two more points i think i'm still a b plus because the highs are so damn high when this movie is right and i've given movies i've given movies like a thumbs up when they have stuff that's just 
just i mean when they have superlatives right there are superlatives to this movie where i still think it's awards level etc to which i want to praise and i would seek out a movie like this knowing that there are that there's greatness in it right so uh, yeah. i i gotta be honest and still give it a b plus however it's it's gone tumulting down my i had an a minus low a now it's down to a b plus 87 yeah i uh I should dock it more points, but anything that has that scene in it that's, like, I think truly one of the most, one of the funniest scenes of the past few, and I was at reacting in the way I do. I can't be mean to I'm still a B-plus myself, but, yeah, I think you guys I, make great Oh, be you. honest with yourself. You loved the golden shower scene. Be honest with yourself. <laughs> Listen, what I do in my time, and like I told you the other night, when you, when you happen to get COVID from not kissing a stranger at a New Year's party, we all know what the, how that goes, all right? He coughed on my head while we were in a crowded what club. You do I wasn't even behind closed to doors. <laughs> what you do behind closed doors is of no business of mine. Don't judge oh me for my golden shower affinity. No. I, I, I... Oh, okay. So you do admit it. It's an affinity. <laughs> Mike, do you know who your co-star is? Your co-host? Do you know what you do? Do you know who you work with? How do you think we met? No. I did not <laughs> know any of this. I did not know that this was. I a don't joke. like golden showers. Can I? Do I have to put that on the record? <laughs> Jesus. Apparently, Apparently now, now you do. Yeah. You, you're very convincing in your shtick. <laughs> Thank you. We, but the fact that I immediately believed it and that uh, Swell immediate belie- uh, immediate believed it is is a you problem as well, Mike. Swell's, I mean, Swell's always you... believed in the best of me. That's all that was. That was coming. That was manifesting right. to the top. Uh, but Amanda, thank you for yes, absolutely. For and thank yeah, you. Know, the perspective was me. was awesome. I mean, you really you you both of you really brought forth stuff that I was not. Anytime you guys need me to come and ruin a movie for you, I am <laughs> happy to come and oblige. You did talk some sense into us because we were a little film broing out yeah, on this. We were. I think to an extent. Um, so that was good. Uh, otherwise, like, what what do you got going on with the channel and and the podcast uh, going forward? So I am currently on a end of year hiatus. Uh, my family just lost someone, so I'm taking a week offline yeah. to kind of force myself to grieve Sorry in private. That, so yeah. I'm not tweeting Terrible. out like how I started crying in Albertsons or something randomly because there's certain things that need yeah. to be offline. Um, mm-hmm. I'm making jokes of it now because that's how I cope. No one's allowed to comment that Amanda's a cold bitch. Um, yeah. Forcing and, me to deny uh, that I like cold and showers is one thing. No, the podcast is coming back in January. It's been on hiatus for too long and I'm, you know, annoying. So I've made sure my audience will bully me if it does not come back in January. Um, and yeah, videos will start back up next week and that's kind of it. I'm going to CES and, uh, AVN the same week in January. So that should be fun. You're going to AVN? And CES. I'm going to do both. I'm going to tag team it. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> I hope for nothing but the best for you and I look forward to those videos. Thank you. Uh... I forget how we end, Mike. Why don't you... Uh, well, you usually just say, like, we're yeah, Mike, Mike, yeah. Oscar everywhere. I was going to say, tell the good people what's five coming stars, next. And if please. anyone has to uh, reach out to us, you know where to get us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at Oscar on Twitter and Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, Mike, tell the good people what's coming up next for us, and uh, let's have some words of wisdom to go out on here. Well, we're going to do, like, a Sundance online preview because I, I'm up and down on that whole You're presentation. You're carrying a grudge. I, I spent three hundred and fifty dollars. I don't know what I bought. So that's that's 
my issue with Sundance at the moment. So we're going to talk through that. Uh, but we also did a lot of Christmas, not Christmas movies, but movies released during Christmas, Michael. Mm-hmm. We did a lot of movie watching in that respect. We're going to review Glass Onion, Women Talking. Uh, I went to New York City and I did a movie day. I saw EO. Uh, you watched Smile. So we got to, yeah. you know. We got we got to talk through some movie reviews and in a, in a but in have a you seen the well. greatest Christmas movie of all time, Violent Night? I have seen that. Yes, I think <laughs> uh, I think that's some Hopper uh, having some fun. But uh, yeah, it's a, another movie that's so over the top, though, right? I mean, mm-hmm. come on, it's fun, but come on, <laughs> <laughs> Die Hard with Santa. It's fun, but yeah. It's fun. Nominate that for Oscars, too. Uh, Guys, as always, when reality sucks, you can come check out just an orgy with us, apparently, and our friends. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. Swell, thanks once again for joining us here, bud. Thank you for having me. See ya. It's the most magical place in the world. 